0: there. I'm Cindy Linden, and this is a Cook Along Podcast Quick Bite. That means we're not going to cook together today, but there is a secret family recipe involved. My parents were very interesting people. My father was what you might call a showman. His college degree was in music, and he played the piano when I was little, he would sit down every once in a while and play a couple of pieces that he knew really well, just because he wanted to sit and play. Mostly, I think he was testing himself to see what his brain and his hands remembered. And My father was involved with a community theater troupe called the Nomad Players. After he left college, he spent a lot of time on stage with them. But he also would play the piano for their productions, And that involved thematic melodrama music, so the heroine would have her music, and the bad guy, the villain, would have his music. Pardon the genders, but this is the way that it was written. The hero, of course, had his music riff as well, and each of those would be played every time those characters entered the stage, along with Train coming down the track's music. And he played four Some of the musicals that they did, I specifically remember a production of Brigadoon, which is a musical by Lerner and Lowe about a magical village that appears once every hundred years in Scotland. That's beside the point. The fact is that my father spent a lot of time with this theater troupe, and in addition to being on stage a great deal of the time, he also put his piano playing skills to work for them, and he did it with gusto and great joy. My mother was also, is also a theater person. So both my folks were stage people. My mother was also a dancer. She grew up being on stage doing tap dancing from the time she was three to the time she was 17 or 18. She doesn't do theater anymore. But I think once a theater person, always a theater person. And that's where my parents met, was in the theater. And they had a lot of theatrical friends when I was young. Both of them stopped doing theater when I was 13 or so because we moved away from my home of Boulder, Colorado, to a new town. And uh, life was just happening. Theater did not get indulged in because my father had other pursuits on stage and because my mother had kids to deal with. She did go back on stage, but not until her 60s, at which point she did a few shows and had a wonderful time. That also is beside the point. What I'm trying to tell you is that while we were still in Boulder, Colorado, they had a lot of theater friends. And theater folk are, for those of you who don't know any, I will just say that they're quite different than your ordinary folk. That sounds silly, probably. But theater people are louder and more outgoing, and laugh a lot louder, and show off a lot more, and to my eyes just generally have a larger amount of fun than most other people who go through life. Fun is sort of paramount to their existence, or at least it was at that time. This was back in the 1950s and 60s, And having spent a few decades in the theater myself, I feel that theater has changed since then. But theater folk are still more, they're just more. That's a good way to say it. There are more than other people. In addition to that, my father was a professional magician. And we had a family magic act that eventually we kind of... I won't say toured with, but we made a number of appearances as a family around the United States in a large illusion act. And after performing at several magic conventions, they became quite well known by other magicians around the country. Yes, magicians do have whole conventions of nothing but magic. My mother was what they call the "tada" girl. You know what that is. The girl who gets cut in half, or in my parents' case, in sixths the girl who appears magically out of an empty box, the girl who looks beautiful on stage while the magician performs his acts of wonder. There is a community of professional magicians, or again, I guess I should say there was at the time. And while they have, in most cities, business meetings, honest to goodness, there are magicians clubs, local, national, and international and they have regular meetings where they do business, as any kind of normal nonprofit club would do. But they also share ideas, thoughts, techniques, routines, new tricks, recommendations, that kind of thing. In addition to those meetings, magicians like to party. Now you might start to see where I'm heading with this. Magicians like to party, and when they go to a party, They like to show off. That's kind of what I want to talk about, is people who like to show off and what happens when they get together in a party. Growing up in Boulder, we were very close to the Denver airport, which was at the time a major central airfare hub. And so magicians traveling from around the country, or even truly from around the world, we had a couple of people come and stay with us from as far away as England. And I'm talking about magicians who made a living at their craft. It wasn't just a hobby, it was their life. Because we were in a central international hub, my parents would throw parties for visiting magicians. I don't know how this happened. I know that over time, my parents developed a reputation for these parties, and magicians, some of whom they did not know or did not know well, made a point of stopping in Denver because they knew that my father would put them up at our house and was renowned for these parties he would throw, and that their visit would prompt the occasion of one of these parties. So I got to grow up having really gifted magicians stay in my house for a couple of days. It's with great joy and enormous gratitude that I look back on the occasions of those parties. What we had in our small living room, well living room and adjoining kitchen, it wasn't big. But it was crowded with the best people on earth, the most joy-embracing, life-affirming people on earth, theater people, magicians, and from my father's college days, musicians as well. In our crowded living room, people would be sitting on each other's laps on the arms of the couches standing next to the piano we had an upright in our living room so it didn't take up too much space I mean it really was not a big room and it was crammed with people who wanted to share their gift so during the evening my father would sit down at the piano and he would start a song or maybe some of the theater people would suggest something I don't really know I was little I was just a little kid and this was so wondrous and I wasn't paying attention to how things were happening just the fact that so much joy and laughter was packed into my house There was always a man who played the banjo he would come There was always a man who played the guitar they each had their showcase pieces that they would do for everybody And they would join in with whatever my father was playing and whatever the theater people were singing. So there's loud, energetic singing going on in my house. There was a childhood friend of my mother's, in addition to being a magician friend of my father's, and this most wonderful man, the kindest, most loving man you ever met. His name was Earl Room. He also played the saw. I don't know if you've ever seen anybody do that, but it involves a violin bow and some very strong thigh muscles, and you put the handle of the saw between your legs, and then with your left thumb, assuming you're right-handed, you bend the saw just with your thumb, and you use the hairstring bow from a violin and rub it along the edge of the saw as you bend it. And it makes music. It makes notes. It makes this kind of ghostly, ethereal... It's really hard to describe. It's a little like a human voice. It's like a cross between a human voice and a pan flute and an oboe. (laughs) I just can't describe it. I know what it sounds like. It sounds a little like a theremin. I'm sure you can find examples of it on YouTube if you're really interested in finding out how to play a saw and what it sounds like. Anyway, that's the music half. Those actors in the room would not only sing, but they would tell stories. And sometimes they were jokes, and sometimes they were just the stories that theater people have of generally things that went wrong when they were on stage. If you've never gotten to experience those stories I can't possibly describe them to you, but they are heartbreakingly funny, and actors love to share them. And then there were the magicians in the room, and every one of them had that urge to show off. And so they would get up, and they would perform a trick or a joke, or they would, ha, what can I say? Everybody in the room was a dyed-in-the-wool, bone-deep Performer, entertainer, showman. They loved what they did and they wanted to share it, especially in the company of people like them. I got to stay up for some parts of those parties. Of course, I got sent to bed at whatever time six to twelve year olds go to bed, but it's not like I was going to go to sleep. There was no way you could sleep through the kind of noise going on in the house. So, of course, it made it hard for me to be in bed and not part of the action. And I remember there was one night when I either refused to go to bed or simply begged until my mother couldn't stand it anymore. And I remember her saying to me, you want to stay up? You really want to stay up? And I said, yes, I do. <laughs> this is hard for me even now. And so she put me in in a chair, in the corner of the room, facing the corner, it hurts to this day. It was a punishment quite explicitly tailored to the crime, and so I remember it very clearly. But obviously, if you put yourself in my shoes, you can imagine my chagrin, my humiliation, my embarrassment, my wish to be anywhere but in that room at that moment. I don't know that it lasted very long. Probably it didn't. It is seared into my memory in a way that makes me think it was forever. But I suspect it wasn't more than a couple of minutes in real life. (laughs) Anyway, never did that again. The aftermath of these parties, which went until way into the wee hours of the morning, was a mess, as you can imagine. The food had all been in the adjoining kitchen, except for the bowls of nuts and people's individual little plates that got left wherever they got set in the living room. But my folks went to bed having had too much fun and too much to drink and done too much work to make it all be wonderful for everyone. And they didn't clean before they went to bed. My mother put the perishables away and the rest would just wait until morning. Young children, in the aftermath of a large party, do not sleep as long as their parents do. So very early in the morning, my younger sister and I would hop out of bed and creep in to see what chaos the party hurricane had wrought. And our way of participating in that grown-up activity was to make our own party early in the morning, while my parents were still in bed, of all the goodies that were left, nuts, pretzels, chips, crackers, it was all just sort of sitting around, and we partook with great joy, and just the right amount of guilt to make it really delicious. Those parties were so magical. And I would give a lot to be able to Share even 10 minutes of those events with you, even if it was just a sound recording so you could hear what I'm talking about. But there is, of course, no way to do that. What I can share with you is the party treat that was at every one of these parties. It was a secret family recipe, and this will be the second one of my father's that I will have given away, and he only had two, and I never really pictured myself giving this recipe to anyone, but here I am today, sharing it with you. It was a signature part of those magical evenings, and not all of you will like this, and I'm okay with that. I'm going to share it with you anyway, because of all the foods that might have ended up on the table Keeping in mind, those of you who listen to me regularly, how much I love cheese. This was my favorite food at these parties. It's my father's clam dip. And if you don't like clams, then this won't be for you. And there's another ingredient that also won't be for you unless you like blue cheese. The two really assertive flavors come together in this dip to make magic. And my folks would serve it in a special party bowl that I acquired many years later because I'm sentimentally attached to it. It's this big, large glass bowl with slanted sides that you put the potato chips in. And then there's this gold metal attachment that sits on the rim of the bowl and then curves up and has a little gold ring in which you put a smaller matching slant-sided bowl that the dip lives in right above the chips. Very cool thing, and I bought one many years later at, I don't know, the Goodwill or someplace because it was there, and I have a sentimental attachment to that kind of contraption. It was silly, and I did not need a second one, but it's still in my basement because, well... The heart loves what the heart loves and seeks what it can no longer find in the real world. So here, without any further storytelling, is my father's famous clam dip recipe. Not to be found anywhere but here and very easy to make. You need an 8-ounce package of cream cheese... You have to get a little creative for the next because it's a three-ounce package of what used to be called chive cream cheese. Philadelphia cream cheese made these little cubes that had chives already in them. As far as I know, you cannot buy those anymore. So you need about three ounces, and they're marked on the package, of a second package of cream cheese and either some fresh or some dried chopped chives. Probably half a tablespoon of them. You need three ounces of blue cheese, and that can be any kind of blue cheese. My father had a preference, in fact a passion, for Maytag Blue from Maytag, Iowa. But any blue cheese will work. And a small can of minced clams. Sometimes I use minced clams, and sometimes I use chopped clams, which are just a little bigger. More often than not, what I do is double this recipe and use one can of each. When you open your can or cans of clams, you want to drain the juice into a small bowl. It's essentially clam broth, and you're going to want that for the dip in a minute. So don't dump it down the sink. And you're going to mix together, either by hand or electric mixer, which is probably a lot easier, the cream cheese, the chives, the other cream cheese, and the blue cheese. And it's going to be very thick and stiff, And you're going to use that clam broth that you just drained off your can of clams to thin that out a little bit. So a little at a time, you're going to pour that clam juice in. Chances are awfully good you're going to use all of it. And in fact, it may still be too thick. And at that point, you want to add a little cream. And that can mean half and half or it can mean heavy cream, whatever you have on hand. And then you add the clams. And you mix it up again, and that is the dip. Now, my father made a note here in his recipe that you can add finely chopped onion, garlic salt, regular salt, and in fact, he mentions even chopped ripe olives. That's black olives, if you wanted to do that. I never had it with the olives in it. I've never tried it that way. I don't know why he has that in the recipe, but it's there. I don't find the need for the onion, And the salt is usually inherent in the potato chips. So you don't necessarily need salt with it either. You do want to serve this with real, regular, probably wavy potato chips. The kind that can stand up to a heavy dip. Because this is pretty thick. But you can make it thinner to your own desire. I don't know how my father would feel about my sharing this recipe with you. He passed away almost 30 years ago now. But I like to think that rather than feeling I was giving away a family secret, I was inviting you all to the party. Because that's what he would have done. The bigger the party, the happier he was. Unless you have really strong objections to blue cheese and clams, I would love to have you try this recipe and toast a potato chip with dip. To my father, my mother, the best parties ever given and the joy of sharing things you love with your friends. Please tell one friend today about the story and ask them to listen to the Cook Along Podcast. There are other party spreads, dips, and snacks on the website, thecookalongpodcast.com. All of them easy, all of them fast, all of them yummy. Until next time, happy cooking.